have a word for, from the Lord for you? Anybody excited to receive something from God? Come on. Come on. Tell, tell your neighbor, don't be offended. Amen. Let me start. Let me give you this quote. And this will kind of set the, this will set the stage. This will set the mode. Go ahead, you can, you can put that up there. God loves us too much to waste our painful experiences. He salvages our shame and redeems our regrets. The place of great pain becomes the place of great gain. And that's the wrong one, sorry. Some of you are like, what language is he speaking? Because that's not what that says. We can put that one up for later. We can, we can change that one. Sorry. So because that probably threw you off, let me give you this again, all right? God loves us too much to waste our painful experiences. He salvages our shame and redeems our regrets. The place of great pain becomes the place of great gain. Amen? Amen. Father, we just thank you, God. I thank you for this morning, for this time. I thank you for your presence during our, our worship time. I thank you, God, that you have everybody here that needs to be here right now. And I thank you, God, that you are preparing something in this new season. And we're entering a new season, God. And I'm excited, God, to what you're going to do with each and every one of us in this place. Somebody say amen. All right. All right. If you're just joining us, welcome. If you were challenged in the last uh, week or two on, by some silly Facebook challenge to experience the love of God at TSF for three Sundays, I pray that you have already experienced it. Amen? I pray that you already, simply because somebody here cared enough to invite you to do church with them. Amen. So congrats on day one or day two or day three, whatever it is. We're going to keep this going all year, so don't even worry about the numbers. We're just going to keep challenging people, amen, to experience the love of God. Our hope is that once you've experienced God's love through God's people, you would not settle for not having that in your life. So you see where it's a trick, right? We, we, our hope is that you would not settle for not experiencing the love of God. That it would be something you, you want to be a part of because then that's when that quote comes in. God wants us to have an encounter with Him so that we can become an encounter so that through us others can encounter God. Come on, that's good. That's good. The role of the church, just to make it clear to anybody that's visiting, the role of the church is to be the love of God. We're called for community, a body dependent on one another. I love what we're growing here, amen? Believers who, who don't understand community do not yet understand God. Last week, Josh and Lee shared a great word stand and deliver. I believe it was a prophetic call to this church to get past 
our past. Amen? To take a stand where we've been called to stand and to de deliver what we've been called to deliver. And, and when we take a stand, we realize that it's no longer about us. When you take a stand, you create a space for someone else to take a stand. When you take a stand, you, you build up something. You enable somebody else to stand and deliver. Amen? When you take a stand, you strengthen the walls. You prepare a place. Listen, now, uh, uh, ex you're going to have to excuse me for a couple minutes. I know that it ain't Father's Day, but I feel led to encourage some men this morning. Can I, can I go ahead and do that? Will, will all my sisters kind of just lean back? And try to keep the elbows at your side. It's not cool when you go like this all the time. And try to hold them together. Don't go, mm. Try to refrain from that. Just for the next couple moments, kind of just look forward and just get excited. Amen? Would you do that? I just want to encourage men this morning because I think it's time for men to lift up holy hands like the word says. And so in, in the past, let me, let me share this with you. In the past, I've had some respect, some respect for, for husbands and for, for, for men that kind of bring their kids to church and, and bring their wives to church, you know, even though it's not their thing. You know what I'm talking about? Because at least they're trying to show something positive to their kids. At least they're trying to be supportive to their wives. Some of us don't even have that, amen? But in the times we're living in today... Our kids are too smart for that. They, they can see what you're committed to and they know what's really important to you. And let me give you a sobering statistic. If you don't make God a priority on your list, God won't even be on their list. And with everything that our wives do, they deserve more than that. Listen, church, uh, church can't be your wife's thing. I, I didn't lay blood, sweat, and tears for 11 years in this place so this could be your wife's church. What? <laughs> I'm going to try. <laughs> because listen, listen, if this, if this is your wife's church, then your wife is your covering. And if she's the spiritual covering, that forces her to be the priest of the home. And if she's the priest of the home, then you've given up your rights as a man of the house. And I can't even get into what happens after that. Listen, there's definitely something wrong when the men of the church come in and sit comfortably while the women of the church stand and provide the ministry covering. That's out of order. And I'm declaring those days are over. Amen? I'm, I came to free some men in the church this morning. I know it's getting crazy in here right now already, so quick. But get this, get this. For, for too long, men waited to get outside of the church to act like real men. 
out there, out there, we got tattoos, we got motorcycles, we got biceps and big backs. Out there, we fight for what's right, we'll stand up against anything. But in the church, we're spiritual babies playing games on our cell phones instead of being a part of what's taking place in the body of God. Instead of taking charge of something, instead of leading, you're called to lead, not to sit. I declare things are changing, though. I, I'm, I can release this because I believe things are changing. Listen, I'm seeing more and more men in here stand up. I'm seeing more men be fathers. I'm, I've gone to more weddings in the last two or three years than ever in my whole life. Because that means some men are, are deciding that they're standing up and we're not going to be shacking and going to church. We're going to be married. We're going to commit. We're going to put a ring on it. Amen. I'm seeing more men become husbands and become the men of God and men that can be trusted, men that can lead, men that can protect, and men that can provide a covering over a building, over a house, over the body of Christ. Amen? Listen, guys, just um, um, you know, endure with me for a minute. I'm getting this out so I can be respectful on Father's Day. Amen? So that way when you bring you know, those men on Father's Day, I don't have to be mean to them. So let me just get it out now with us, with the family, amen? So I can be respectful on Father's Day. Listen, we've been preaching through the scriptures following the Apostle Peter, right? We've been in a series called Following Peter. And so we've been following his life before and after he was walking with God. And, and what we've been seeing, there's, we, like, like we've been saying, there's a huge difference in the Peter before as he was just starting to walk with Jesus and in the Peter after, in the man he was, in the man that we're reading about now, after the Spirit of God is with him, right? Huge difference in that man. I, I don't think we talk about this enough in church, but there's some masculinity that rises up in a man when he gets right with God. Ladies should be a little more excited about that. There's, there's, there's a, let, 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 me, let me let you in on a secret, guys. That's attractive. <laughs> And, and the sad thing is, I think for years, the church got it twisted. We think, you know, we were those men, men before we came to church, before we became Christians. We, we've also believed a lie from the enemy that coming to the to church, coming to be a Christ follower, somehow makes us less manly. Somehow being a Christ follower makes us less of a man. The enemy and the church have been teaching men, you need to behave now. You're in the church. You need to be a good boy. You're a church boy now. And, and, and what's happened is we're forming a culture of, to, to borrow a T.D. Jake's word, of sissified Christian men. I don't know how you guys feel about it, but I'm not a church boy. I'm a man of God. Amen? I, I, listen, we step in when others step out. We, come on, we, we jump in when others are jumping out. We stand up when others are sitting down. There's, there's difference when you're a man of God and when you're a church boy. 
We keep going and giving and building and leading when others quit. And that's the picture that we see in Scripture. That's what I'm excited to share about. Before church, Peter was a big mouth when he was around other people. Peter was a, when he was with the disciples and everybody's around, so, oh, God, Jesus, I'll die for you, man. I'll live and die for you, man. What? Ain't, ain't nobody gonna, and, and he big mouth when he was around other people, but when he had to stand up, he, he, he talked a big game when he, he was all talk, though. When it came down to taking a stand and, and came down to delivering, he wussed out. Peter wasn't a manly man until he became the church. We got to get this. Come on. We, we get this twisted, but this is good news. It's after going to church that Peter was able to stand up and endure public beatings by armed soldiers. Armed soldiers, public beatings for doing nothing wrong but sharing the gospel. And they would beat him. And, and, and these are people in high places that could throw him in prison again and again and beat him every time. And they did. And they would beat him. And they would torture him. And they would throw him in prison. And the next morning, he'd be in his orange penitentiary jumpsuit preaching the gospel the next morning. That's, you, I don't know many men that, that would have that in them. I don't know many men that could come out of prison from being beat down the day before and being warned, okay, listen, we're going to let you go, but shut up. Stop being a Christian. Stop talking about Christ. Stop telling people about this Jesus. Stop and we'll let you go. Okay, they let him go. The next morning, good morning. I'm glad everybody's here this morning. I want to tell you that God died for you, that this Jesus whom they crucified, he gave his life for you. Again, I'm talking bl bloody with dry blood in the orange jumpsuit. I'm talking black and blue with, with blood-crusted lips. That's, that's a man's man, amen? The Christian is not a coward. He's called to be courageous. Listen, I'm speaking to this this morning because there's a cycle that needs to be broken every generation. And this is not just for men. The, the rest of you can tune in now. We all carry issues, don't we? Come on, if there's two of us in here, we got enough issues to talk about all day. We got daddy didn't care issues, daddy didn't hug me issues, daddy wasn't there issues, I don't even know my daddy issues. Mama didn't love me issues, mama didn't care, mama didn't hug me, mama didn't care. I didn't grow up like you issues. We got, I made too many mistakes issues, I messed up too bad issues. You don't know where I'm from issues. You don't know what I've been through issues. I've been hurt too many times issues. I'm sad issues. I got every reason to not, to not be a good person issues. All of the above issues. And I'll tell you, the saddest thing to see and, and the, is the thing, and the thing that gives the enemy the greatest joy is a man or a woman that's been broken by their past. Broken by their mistakes. Broken because of where they came from. Broken because of what they didn't have or by what they had too much of. If there's one thing I want to help us to do today, the word that I have for you today, I want to help somebody get past their past. We can't do big things until we get past our past. Say amen. 
We will never be who we're called to be, we, who, have, who we have everything inside us of becoming until we get past our past. This applies to all of us, men, women, young people. The scripture makes it clear that living for God is not for the weak-minded. It's not for the soft. It's not, the e it's not even the easy path. The word says in Matthew 7, 13, enter through the narrow gate, Jesus said. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. What does that mean? That means the other way is easier. Not living for God is easier. Going with the flow is easier. The, wait, wait, wait. When you run with the crowd, there's no resistance. But there's danger in that because the crowd doesn't know where they're going. And they're always changing the rules. And what's right today, tomorrow is not so right. What's, what's right, you know, the city tells us we got to have a handicapped bathroom, a male bathroom, and a female bathroom. What they going to tell us now? None of that matters. You can use whatever bathroom you identify with. It's when you follow the crowd, the rules change. You, you understand? God never changes. Come on. So, so Jesus said in John 16, 33, he said, in this world, understand something. In this world, you will have trouble. Here's the good news. In this world, thank you for coming to church. In this world, you're going to have trials. Thank you for becoming a Christian. In this world, it's not going to be easy. In this world, there's going to be suffering. There's going to be things you do not understand. Jesus says, but take heart. But be of good cheer. But be courageous. Because for you, I overcame the world. God says, I go before you. It's not easy, but you don't have to do it alone. I'll be with you every step of the way. I'm working things out in your favor. And watch this. We see hints of, of all of this throughout the scriptures from beginning to end. Joseph in the book of Genesis. What a story. Joseph, this is, at this point, he's talking to his brothers. His brothers have done the most wickedest things that you could do to, to a brother. They've beat him. They've abused him. They've stripped him. They've sold him into slavery. Can you imagine? You have done some bad things to your brothers and sisters. But imagine selling them into slavery. Some of you are excited about that, and that's a little scary. But they sold them into slavery. And so here at this point, many years, years later, many hard experiences later, he's face to face with them again in Genesis 50. But this time, he's in a position of authority. This time, he has everything that they don't have. He has what they need. And he's before them again. And he tells them in Genesis 50, 20, you meant evil against me. You meant for my harm, but God meant it for my good. That's a tough scripture. Paul, in the book of Romans, he says in 828, he says, And we know, listen, that for those that love God, all things work together for my good. James says to us in chapter 1 of James, he says, Consider it pure joy, brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. 
and let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So Joseph says, what people meant for my harm, God used for my good. Paul says, all things work together for good. James says, all these hard times will mature and complete you until you lack nothing. The word is saying this walk is not for the faint of heart. You're going to experience probably more than you'd like to in this world. But if you get past it, you're going to be stronger on the other side. Oh, come on, man. If you get past it, you're going to be stronger on the other side. Listen, I've been, I've been into, you know, since the start of the year, like, like all of us, we get into the fitness kick, you know. The gyms are full in January and then February everybody drops off. And they're still paying their $19.99 membership every month for three years because Planet Fitness won't cancel it over the phone. Anybody had that struggle? Anyway. So, so I've been on the fitness trip and I've been lifting and reading and talking to people who've been lifting longer and, and getting advice. And every piece of advice for getting bigger and stronger comes down to one thing, facing more resistance. The only way to get bigger and stronger is to face heavier resistance. Your body on its own responds to great resistance by becoming stronger. Come on, come on, thank somebody thank God for that. Your body on its own responds to more resistance by becoming stronger. You don't see how spiritual that is. Joseph wasn't leadership material until he faced years and years of resistance, hard trials and suffering. Greatness is forged in the fire. Where there's no resistance, you lose strength. You know the astronauts when they go into space and they, and they live in weightlessness for a long time? Your body responds to no resistance by decreasing your muscle mass and decreasing your bone density. Where there's no resistance, your body says you don't need this strength. And so it takes from the muscle density, from the bone density. They come back and they have to do a lot of rehabilitation. Sometimes to even walk, to even run. They have no endurance. They have no, because there's no resist. Oh, come on, man. When you're not facing nothing, your body says you don't need to be this strong then. That's powerful. As we follow Peter through the book of Acts, we, we talked about this wonderful church that God starts with Peter, right? Right in the beginning of the book of Acts. And, and, and Peter, God uses Peter to start this church and the apostles. And almost immediately after the start of the church, great resistance comes, right? And they, they grow so large that they need to add deacons to help with the work of the church, to, to do the work of the ministry. And, and so the first deacon that gets signed up, he's killed for his faith. Probably not a good time to do a leadership call for deacons. He gets persecuted and killed. And it's at this execution that we're introduced to Saul of Tarsus. This is found in the book of Acts. 
not going to read it all, but you should know where it is so you can check it and make sure I'm not making things up. Because people do that in church. So in the book of Acts, chapter 9, if you know the scriptures, chapter 9, Saul starts persecuting Christians. And he's dragging them out of their homes. And he's dragging them to prisons until Saul has this encounter with the love of God. See, somebody challenged Saul on Facebook. Well, back then it was probably MySpace. Somebody challenged him to experience the love of God. And, and this experience with the love of God with him was so powerful, it threw him to the floor and it left him blind for three days. I pray none of you get blind for three days that came to visit us today. He left him blind for three days. See, the love of God changes the way you see things. Amen. And it says for three days he didn't eat or he didn't drink. I'm, I'm imagining this is Paul just questioning his whole life. He's, he's reflecting. He's like, man, what have I done with my life? What have I been taught? What have I been teaching? What have I been doing that, that made me such a religious zealot that I would go out and actually watch people get killed because they believe in Jesus? What has this Jesus done for me or against me that I would do? I imagine he's reflecting for three days. He's not eating or drinking. He's reflecting on his encounter with God as some of us maybe will have to do when we leave here today. He was blinded by the light, by the presence of Jesus, which means he couldn't see things the same way he saw them before. And while this was happening, check this out. The Lord appears to a man named Ananias. Ananias. However you say it. Don't act like you know. And, and, so, and so he tells him, he tells him, he, he appears to Ananias and God, God and, and, in a vision, he appears to Ananias and he tells Ananias, he says, I want you to go to this particular house and I want you to go there and ask for Saul of Tarsus. And I want you to lay hands on him so he can receive sight. Because listen, he's been praying and he's already seen you in a vision come to him and lay hands. This is powerful. Isn't that like amazing? I'd love to see people in a dream so that when I see them in real life, I'll know exactly what they're coming for. Wouldn't that be powerful? You know, God's the same today, yesterday, and forever. Like God could do that. Amen. I believe I could. God will give me a dream and one of you come and I'll give you the $7 that you came to ask me for. And you'll be like, so yeah, God told me you were going to come ask me for 7000 but I only had $7. So, so I'm giving you $7. But I know you need 7000 but I just, you know, anyway. So he tells Ananias, I want you to go to this house. He tells him exactly where to find them. I want you to go to this house, find this man, Saul of Tarsus, and you're going to lay hands on him and pray, and he's going to receive. And Ananias says, Lord, I imagine there's a heavy attitude and neck twisting here. He says, Lord, 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 hold up. Hold up. Read this in your Acts chapter 9. Lord, I have heard many, I've heard from many about this man. And I've heard what this man does. I've heard of the harm that he's caused to your saints in Jerusalem. Don't you love me, God? Why would you send me to this man? Right? And he's saying, and I know that now he has authority here from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. So Ananias is saying, this man has a very twisted past. Ananias is telling God, you know, I know what this guy used to do, God. Maybe, maybe you don't know, God. 
And Aeneas is kind of enlightening, enlightening God. He said, maybe you don't. Hold on, hold on. Let me let you in on a little secret. This is not gossip. I'm just telling you what the man did. I know where this man has come from. I know the dirt that he has. I know what he's done. He's a murderer. He's bad for the church. He's done too much damage to the church. You cannot use him. You got to be careful with that guy. Anybody ever heard that in church? You can't use that guy. I, I, I knew that guy. I went to high school with that guy. He can't be on your worship team. You can't use it. That guy can't minister. That guy can't be up there praying for nobody. He's got tattoos. Are you crazy? That guy, I know, I used to go to the club with that guy. That guy, that guy can't. You ever heard that in church? And Aeneas is telling God, you can't use this guy. This guy has a twisted past. God says to Ananias, go. I've chosen him as an instrument to carry my name before Gentiles and kings and the children. <laughs> in other words, in other words, God says, you're going to have to get past his past because I'm going to use this man. Now go pray with him. You're going to have to get past what he's done. You're going to have to get past who he was because I'm making him brand new right now. And I'm using you to do it. He, you're going to have to trust me, God says. We're gonna, you're going to have to risk, church. You're going to go and pray with him and his eyes are going to open and I'm going to fill him with the spirit of God and, and now he's going to be able to get past his past. Because I'm about to use him greatly and I can't have him beating himself up about what he has done and who he used to be. Listen, God's talking to some of us right now. Some of us have to stop disqualifying ourselves from being brand new because we haven't gotten past our past. Some of us need to get past what somebody else has done in their past. Some of us need to go and pray with them. We need to go and stand with them. I feel real strongly with this word, man. Decide today if the word is true and then therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ, the law of the spirit which gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death, Romans 8. Paul later says, not that, here, somebody hear this, hear this. Paul, Paul says later on, he says, not that I've already attained this. Or have already arrived at my goal. But one thing I do. He says, but I press on. Somebody needs to hear that today. I press on. Listen, you got a bad past. You've done some bad things. You've made some big mistakes. People know you for who you used to be. People know you for your dirt. People know you because of the punk that you were or, or whatever it was, right? But listen, he's saying, I press on. To take hold of that which Christ Jesus take hold of from me. Brothers and sisters, I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what's behind. Can you just say that to yourself? Forgetting what's behind. And straining toward what's ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Family, it's time we all get past some stuff. Some of us need to give somebody else a break already.
Stop holding the past against people. If they've given you any reason to believe that there's good fruit, stop looking for bad fruit. Listen, I'm not advising anybody to blindly, this man keeps stealing your money, don't keep leaving money in front of him. I'm, you, you understand what I'm saying? But this man that stole your money 10 years ago, don't keep setting a trap for him to see if he'll do it again. Don't keep enticing him to see. Don't keep looking at If he's giving you no reason to, to show you that he's that man, then stop. We have to kind of move forward. We got to get past his past. Amen? And if that person is you, it's time for you to get past your past. It's time for you to become trustworthy again. It's time for you to take a risk. I know some people are going to set you back. Some people are going to push you back. Some people are going to offend you. Some people are going to not trust in you and not believe in you. You, you did that. It's okay. But, but it's time to, to display good fruit. Amen? Bad fruit doesn't grow on, on, on good trees. Right? Good fruit comes from good trees. When we're planted in Jesus, when we're planted in Christ, then, then good fruit grows and nobody can, can negate your good fruit. Amen? Let's be a family. Let's be a, a, a community of good fruit. Oh, come on. We need to hear that today. Acts 10 says, Truly I understand that God has shows no partiality, but in every nation anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. Some of us need to give ourselves a break already and stop talking about what you did. Stop talking about how you messed up. Some of us think that's humility. Let me tell you something. That's not humility. That's shame. You, you think you're walking humble because you keep telling everybody, no, but I did this, I did that, I'm, this is who I was, this is what I did. This. That's not humility. That's shame. And God says, I didn't call you to walk in shame. I'm the lifter of your head. I come to make you brand new. Amen? I don't remember what you did. You keep reminding me. I don't know what you're talking about. God says, I've thrown it in the sea of forgetfulness. And we keep coming to God and say, yeah, but you know what I did. And God says, I don't remember. And some of us will take the time to tell him the whole story again. As if he's trying to tell you, I need to hear the story. He's telling you, listen to me. I don't remember. You're like, so you mean I could get in, God? Yes. I don't remember. I'm not telling you, listen, everything's okay. I'm telling you, repent if you have to repent. I'm not giving you some cheap grace. I'm not saying, oh, God died, God, died, God died on the cross. You can do anything you want. And you don't have to feel bad about it. You don't have to. No, there's, there's cheap. Grace is not cheap. Grace was paid with a price, a costly price, a price that you could never afford. So I'm, I'm just saying, don't take it lightly. Take full advantage of it. And if you need to repent, repent. The word says in 1 John 1, 9, he's faithful and just to forgive you your sins. Repent. If you need to apologize, go apologize already. Grow up. Make things right as long as it is in your power to do so. But after that, get past your past. And don't let it hold you back anymore. Don't quit. 
Start speaking life to yourself. Start walking differently. Hold your head up. Understand that in Ephesians 2, it says we are his workmanship. I am the handy, the hand, I am the, oh, come on. I'm the handiwork of God. This, me, me, all this. I'm his workmanship. This is incredible. And I mean that, you know. <laughs> Don't quote that. But you know what I'm saying? This is incredible. If I, if I face more resistance, I get stronger. If I face less resistance, I get less strong. This is incredible what God has done. We are his handiwork. We are his workmanship. And the word says we were created to do good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in. Do you think that because we messed up, we're no longer his workmanship? Would you say that to your son and your daughter? Come on, some of you love your dogs more than that. Some of you love your cats and your hamsters more than that. They mess up, they pee on the bed again. And you're not telling them, you are the, you are, you are no good. You're a poor excuse for an animal. No, you love them, you hey, it's okay, but we'll just get a new $800 mattress. It's okay, don't worry about it. We are his workmanship. Do you think that you surprised God when you messed up so he canceled all those good things that he prepared in advance for you to walk in? Then he would have canceled it at age two. Right? Do you remember when you first lied? Like we're all born in sin. Do we understand that? Like we're, you, you don't have to teach a kid to be bad. You know when as soon as they're toddlers, you walk in the room... Who put the red marker all over the wall? And they're standing there with three red markers, red marker on their face. They go, I don't know. <laughs> Did you do that? No. Lie, right out, just lie, right out the heart. It just comes out the heart, amen? We need a savior, amen? <laughs> that should show you that we need a savior. We need somebody to deliver us. We need somebody to make us new. Because from two, we've been lying. From two, we've been deceiving people. Two. <laughs> some of you are 40. Some of you are 50. Since two, we've been there. We need a savior. But all those things that God has prepared in advance for us to walk in, listen to me, they're still there. Wow. They're still there. And you have the anointing to walk in them. And you have the power to become what God has called you to be. And you have the power to accomplish those things that God set for you to accomplish. And, and if, it's, if it's a lot of resistance, then God will make you stronger. And if, and if you need to be heavier and stronger, then God... Well, heavier is not a good word for some of you. I, I know. But if you need to be stronger, God will make you stronger. Amen? If you need more endurance, God will build that in you. The word says, until you lack nothing. Look at this quote by Brennan Manning. He wrote the Ragamuffin Gospel and Abba is like good books, man. And he just comes from a different place. He's not one of these. He knows who he is. He's I'm nothing, but in God I'm everything. And so he says this: Define yourself radically as one beloved by God. This is the true self. Every other identity is illusion. Can I, can I give it to you again so you can Facebook it? Define yourself radically as one beloved by God. This is your true self. 
Every other identity is illusion. It's time to allow the resistance, the failures, the trials to work for our good. To make us stronger and mature and complete in him. I'm going to, we're going to have like a time, we need to have a time of reflection. I, I think it's early, we're good, and um, we have a little time before they, they release the, the wonderful children. All the wonderful two-year-olds that will come back into this room and lie about Sunday school and lie about everything. This kid pushed me. He stole my candy. He took my cookie. So we have some time together as, as grown-ups. Can we kind of take some time to, uh, to reflect? I'm going to ask the, the pastors and ministers to come and stand with me at the front. And um, we're not going to have the worship team come back. Last week we ended with a song. And we had such a powerful move of God with that song. And it's been on my head the whole, the whole week. And so we're just going to play that song softly if we, if we can. I believe I saw the video in the, in the thing there. So we can just play that softly. But... Um, there's a couple of us here today and, and, and I already know this word is speaking directly into your life and today you have to start to get past this. I want to call you to get past your past. And so I want to take some time right now to, to reflect. Some of you here that, that maybe you don't even see how your past has hindered you or prevented you from moving forward and you might think this is just me just who I am just how I am but but you need a breakthrough as well as so I was talking to to Jason this morning in the in the office and he told me that he was with the youth this weekend and he was challenging them to get past their past and we didn't talk we didn't like work this out together And he, and he shared with me that he drew a line and he challenged everybody to go past the line. And so what I want to do kind of today, there's some, there's some in here that we need to get do the same thing. We need to get past that line. We need to say, I'm no longer going to walk in the things that I used to walk in or I'm no longer going to be hindered by the past that has held me back. Can we just kind of bow our heads for a moment? Let's just kind of get with ourselves. We're not here to look at anybody or to, to perform for anybody. We, we, this, is, this is personal, you know? And so I want to challenge you if, you. if you need to get past, I want you to maybe picture that line right in front of your chair. And you say, I need to cross the line. I need to get to the other side. I need to, to, to be who God has called me to be. I need to kind of make some changes. I need to just, just sometimes just taking an extra step is breakthrough. Sometimes just pushing a little is breakthrough. I'm going to challenge you to press on. Don't even wait for me to finish speaking. If you already know God is dealing with you, come, come. Just come. Just come. Just come. 
There's no magic in this. The, the magic in, and, and the power is in taking a step past. the pastors pray for you if you don't want to you just if you just need to come forward you just need to get past that challenge you to do that today This breakthrough, this breakthrough.
those of us that are kind of just sitting, can we just reflect again on the words of this song that are up on the screens for us? Because it's a picture of the community that we need to be able to make this happen, to be able to risk church, to be able to risk, to strengthen people and encourage them enough to risk getting past their past. And if you still need to step forward, then just step forward. Don't let nothing hold you back. There's breakthrough when we cross the line.
Family, thank you for letting us take this time to just help our brothers and sisters move past, to help us kind of break through. Amen. 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 This body will be changed by what happens, by when we start to understand that we get past our past.